This is the True North Collective Podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on wellness, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to Season 3 of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm obsessed with making the bed every day. I recently joined a young adult cancer support group, and I like looking at myself naked in the mirror. Hi, I'm Janelle. I start songs over because I wasn't enjoying them enough. I spent my childhood breeding rabbits, and I'm an awful speller. Hi, I'm Joaquin. If I could watch one show for the rest of my life, it would be Friends. I will eat mint chip ice cream whenever I feel like it. And I once served a double tall latte to take Donovan. And we are your hosts of the True North Collective podcast. I know, I didn't either. I was like, I was like, oh, nobody shit. does. It's such an obscure oh, fact. Donovan. That the... I know, I was like, okay, oh, I, I, celebrity I don't I'll, know. I'll probably talk about it later unless you want to include it now. Okay, there's a reason why I tie that in too. So if anyone who watches the Friends show would know that Tate Donovan was also in Friends. Oh, you're so hmm. well thought out. I'm well, like, I was like, I suck at spelling. Because um, I don't know if, if either one of you have watched a lot of it i mean before they pulled it from netflix friends no yeah I've never seen so jennifer friends. aniston used to date him. you've never seen friends it's been on in the household when i've been what? home but i've never seen it. what the hell janelle, janelle? janelle's I mean, canceled you've literally reached a new low <laughs> first oh i like every episode i'm like okay okay <laughs> this now good it thing you didn't say it when you were visiting dylan would have had a conniption <laughs> I just, I don't know. I never, I never watched it growing up, and I don't, I just don't like that kind of thing. <laughs> you mean, I mean a, what's a great kind of like? Thing? They're friends. You don't like friends. Much like, like we used like to be two friends. seconds ago until yeah. I found that out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> just kidding. <sighs> I'm now just gonna ridicule you the rest. Of the show. <laughs> Every time I do a podcast intro, everyone tells me how terrible I am. <laughs> But long story short, he was on there for like three or four uh, episodes. There was like a story arc where Rachel, Jennifer Aniston, was like in Bloomingdale's trying to dress a really hot guy who turned out to be the actor Tate Donovan. Oh. But yeah, it's a long Is story. He, so he's hot. He's Wait, Hercules and he's, he's hot. I think he's cute. Okay. Okay. I'm not saying he's I'm like... I'm looking him up right now. Tate Donovan. Tate Donovan. He was okay, on he... Love Potion Number 9 with Sandra Bullock. He also mm-hmm. did damages with like Glenn Close and I think Rose Byrne. He he's done a lot of other stuff, but I remember he dated Rachel. Yeah, yeah, Jennifer Aniston. Uh, I know, I know. I mean, he actually had quite a track record in, back in the nineties. But long story short, it was like seven in the morning, and I called out a double tall latte for Tate. I looked down, he looked up, and I said hi. He said hi. He turned around. To go, like, doctor up his latte, and I immediately thought, oh, no, I made it wrong. I was like, no, no, he probably usually does that anyway. And, like, I looked around with the people that were working with me who had no idea, and I, like, whispered un- under, like, my breath, I'm like, Donovan? And he, like, <laughs> stopped what he was doing, turned around, and basically just, like, nodded silently. Like, he's like, don't tell like, anyone. Don't but it was, like, that. seven in the morning. There's wink, barely anyone wink. in the store. Yeah, and so I was like... I got it right. But I was like, I couldn't make any other drinks while he was there. I was like, his hands are like touching the cup I touched. And, and then That's he awesome. then stopped again. I'm like, uh-oh, what's wrong? And then he looked at me and he said, 
good call. I'm like, <gasps> I was like, okay, okay. I'm Sandra. Something's happening. And then on his way out, before he gets to the door, he turns around and he says, I'll see you around. And I told him Monica Geller, sorry, Janelle, you don't get that. I'm like, okay. And then he walked out. As soon as he, le- as soon as he left, the guys that I was working with, both were named Ryan. And I was like, do you guys know who that was? They're like, no. Who is that? And I'm like, try to like reel off his IMDb page. Like, I don't know who that is, man. I'm like, you have no idea who was just here. So exciting. Someone recently asked me what movie personality I'm most like. And the only thing I could come up with was like, well, one of my ex-boyfriends said I have the body like Lord Farquaad, which we've already, (laughs) we've already got over on the podcast. And that was all I got. I'm like, I'm so out of touch with movies. Like, I look like Shrek. I don't think that's a compliment. But. It was oh, not a compliment. Wait. Janelle. Mm-hmm. Dylan said that you looked like somebody. Lord Farquaad? Hold on. No. <laughs> Hold on. I got to text him. I'm fine okay. out. Because it was a good one. I was, was like, oh, damn. I see it. Tell yeah. me. Because apparently people are asking me these deets. And All right. I... Hold on. Hold on. I'll, we're going to see what he says. He's in Detroit right now. <laughs> I was going to say, I have a burning question for Joaquin. Yeah. Hit me with it. What are your... What's the nickname for Joaquin? Depending on who you are, you might call me Q. I was called that kind of growing up. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Long story short, because my mom had to find a way to make sure that we couldn't, like, say, my brother took my stuff, because she would initial everything. And so mm-hmm. my name starts with the letter J, and so does one of my, well, both of my brothers. So she was like, I have to find a different letter for Joaquin. So she put a Q on everything. My sister's the only one with the M, but she kind of broke them all. But yeah, so you can call me whatever you want, Rachel. I like it. I'm going to have to think about it. Yeah. It's going to like come out randomly. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, I have a nice thing going for me right now because another person with my name just won an Oscar. So I know. I know. And imagine what my life was like prior to Joaquin Phoenix being out there. Yeah. What was it like? Uh, yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> We're going to get into that story. I guess, I mean, I think that's a good transition into introducing Joaquin. And Joaquin is a dear, dear friend of mine uh, who I know from working at MindBody. We were on the learning and development team together and fellow trainers. Joaquin is still a trainer there. And we have just... I don't know, had one of those relationships. I feel like at first we might have like eyeballed each other a little bit. We're like, what's this person about? And then we just ended up being besties. Like I can't imagine. I think the hardest part of leaving my job was not seeing Joaquin every day. It's true. It's been like, it's been an emotional adjustment for me because I basically just went to work and hung out with Joaquin. And since then, Joaquin does my makeup now. He's my makeup artist and mm-hmm. my dance buddy he teaches me how to dance and we also hang out so <laughs> welcome that was, that was the best introduction i've ever done in the podcast welcome to the podcast joaquin thank you ooh, ooh. Ooh, i'm excited to be here i mean i've been listening to some of your episodes and it's it's really i don't know i can't find the words inspiring and to hear mm-hmm. kind of what you two delve into individually and as a group and then to be asked to be a part of it like not to delve in too hard about imposter syndrome, but I was like, of course I want to do it. But like, this is, it's really cool. So yeah. thank you for having me. Okay. And I have amazing conversations all the time and he's also the best listener, 
which is, I feel like also rare because I will take a, I mean, I like to talk, but I will take a listening seat a lot of times with people I don't know, but Joaquin, he just looks at you and you're just like, I will tell you everything. <laughs> Here's my social security number. <laughs> Here's my bank account number. What do you want? <laughs> so we've had a lot of good conversations. Um, but one very specifically around labels. So that was a conversation you and I had on one of our, our strolls around campus and just I think we both are very I mean all three of us are focused on getting to know ourselves better and like how do we live the best life we can and how do we find ways to be fulfilled um and when we were talking about like why Joaquin should come on the podcast I it was originally going to be about like dancing and movement which we'll definitely get into today because you're an amazing dancer but we ended up transitioning in Um, because of that conversation on labels. So before we jump in, though, that's like our little teaser here. Why don't you tell people just a little bit more about you, where you come from, your background, who is Jawakin? Who is Jawakin? (laughs) You know, that's a really good, it's a really good question. I feel like I should have an autobiography to follow up with that. Um, I'm originally from Washington State, born and raised there. I was born 1989, December 19th. So speaking of other celebrities, I mean, we were talking about Joaquin Phoenix. I share a birthday with Jake Gyllenhaal, but I've never met the guy, so I can't really say anything (laughs) else about that. Um, I grew up uh, with three other siblings, kind of the typical, what's the word? I would say lower to middle class, you know, stay-at-home mom, dad worked all day, kind of had a close relationship with my siblings, but I think my sister was my best friend. She was like my twin. We were born four years apart, though, but we were the ones that made the most sense out of everybody. Um, But shortly after some family trauma in 2006, wow, it's been a while, my mom passed away. Not unexpectedly, just things happened. And my sister had already moved out to California. And so she's like, if you want, you can kind of get your life over here. And I was like, all right. So I transferred junior year of high school. And went to a high school that I shall not name. It just was not the best experience compared to the high school I came from. And I tested out for my senior year. And and I kind of tried to just pick the pieces up. But not having all the tools of knowing what that was like at a 16-year-old, it, it actually took probably 10 plus years to finally feel like myself again, actually. so I loved your answer. Most people, like don't really know how to answer and they're like wow man what part do I come up with and you just like so beautifully wove like the different dots Mm -hmm. like I feel like I I don't know it was just a great job (laughs) (laughs) for what it's worth that's Joaquin I feel like you have uh your your trainer like this is you but you you get in like your as a trainer you think about everything and you're better mm. able to connect the dots because that's all you do all day long is yeah. you have like the dots that you have to hit and then you get to talk for eight hours straight. So that's why Joaquin is a great trainer because he's clearly mastered oh. that skill. Do you, do you want to be a writer or anything or are you a writer? That's so crazy that you type like you like tapped into that. Like Rachel's a genius. I, uh, I'm not, <laughs> um, I am the universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been writing short stories for years and I remember being 18 like in Barnes and Noble picking up books and like how to publish stuff um, but I was always mm-hmm. like at the beginning stages and I never fully went through with it like I always kind of oh. was considering should they be short stories should they be fictional non-fictional I just I always like to paint pictures 
um, very vividly, whether they're about real people or not, and not knowing what the message would be about. So I have like handwritten short stories. I also have like a Google Doc full of like other short stories. To answer your question, probably, I just haven't followed through yet. I would say, what is the best or like your favorite story that you have? Like, what one do you think you could take it out into the public? I, I, yeah, to be quite honest, I haven't picked up those stories in a long time, but there was someone I was writing about, um, and I don't even know who she is, but I could feel like, and as I was writing something, I felt like a feminine energy just talking about somebody. Um, and I don't even know who she is, if I've met her. She's probably inspired by a lot of people I know, but it was really just talking about what her day looked like and really thinking about how, if you think about what we all do, if we're on autopilot, like one of the best things I heard, I think it was Deepak Chopra say, or uh, John Cabot Zim, like, so if you're in the shower, like, are you in the shower? Like, do you feel the water on your head? And do you really experience those things? So the story that I was writing, I, I haven't picked it up in a long time, was basically almost narrating what she's doing, but also with her not being in touch with those things. And, and really, cool. and, and just kind of the day was happening, and she'd rather have noise than silence because she really hated silence. Um, I haven't finished it or figured out what I need to put in there, but I think that would be the one I'd wanted to devote more time to. It's inter- it's interesting that that's the story you picked because my intro of liking to stand naked in front of the mirror mm-hmm. is not something that is like, if you don't know me, you're like, oh, okay, narcissist. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I, that's not actually like a normal thing that I've ever liked doing. And one of my practices this year has been to really be present with the simple needs, the Mm. basic needs and honor them with like a specialness um, and a sincerity. And that's come from a few different experiences that I had last year, but one of them is in the shower. Like when I'm putting, I mean, not to get like sexual, but like when I'm putting the soap on my, on my arms, like being Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, this is what my arm feels like. And like, Mm -hmm. this is what my leg, my thigh feels like. And then when I am getting in or out of the shower, like pausing and being like, you have a beautiful working body and noticing the things that are beautiful about it versus being like, oh, that's sticking out. Why is that all bloated? And so it's interesting that that's the story that you're saying, because I think you're actually describing what a lot of my life was in my twenties and my early thirties. And now where I'm at, I, I I'm really practicing slowing down so much to really like take in the sweetness of each seemingly, you know, dumb moment that really isn't actually. Yeah. So it is very relatable. I think I love noise. I love distraction. I love to be busy, which is good. I like that part of myself, but yeah, the act of slowing down and actually mm-hmm. listening and paying attention is something I'm constantly working on because it's definitely easier to have a distraction or something exciting than to look at yourself in the mirror, not even necessarily in your body, but like look into your own soul and be like, what do you want? What are you mm-hmm. feeling? 
oh, you're sad, sit in that sadness. Yeah. Don't just distract yourself to feel better. And I mean, you can do that, but I'm trying to allow myself to sit in those spaces of discomfort more frequently than I ever have allowed myself before. It's, it's, it's one of those things where depending on where you're at, as far as kind of whether you want to call it spiritual or just a journey, for some people that can seem torturous. It can seem um, really unnecessary because who needs to do that? But <clears throat> for me, I'm finding the more I do that for myself, it's like those little acts, kind of to Rachel's point, even if it seems mundane or stupid, for some reason it's like, Everything is, I guess you could say the same, but with almost new eyes. And that makes all the difference. It's like, as much as I would like to say I never watch TV, I might sit on the couch every now and then. But I'll notice when I'm not present, which sounds funny because you watch something to like kind of tune out and I'll actually like breathe in through my nose and breathe out with my mouth. And I'm like, I'm back again. And as soon as I do that, I now look at everything else inside the living room. And just even in that moment, I'm back again. And it's those types of things where, yeah, it can be uncomfortable. It can feel like you might be opening something you don't want to see. But the more I've done that, the more I'm me. So it's like the things you're afraid of or the things that you think are actually going to destroy you. It might hurt, but at some point the healing comes. My response to you is going to be, are we the same person? Probably. Because That's probably why what you guys. The fuck? <laughs> I'm literally like, oh my God, this person is my soul twin or something. These are the people I attract. <laughs> I just attract really good company. I know you don't watch TV, but did you ever watch Sense 8? Um, I do watch TV. I just try to make it sound like I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it was on Netflix, right? Is is basically about these eight people who wake up one day and they realize that they are part of the same soul cluster. And so they can like remote view and actually tap into each other's bodies. So like basically, if I was in a place where I really needed to have some fucking moves, then you could jump into my body and like it would be me, but I'd be doing you'd be like moving the ship. Wow. Anyways. Whoa. Is that gonna happen? it might be part of a, the same soul cluster is what I'm proposing. Okay. I'm, I'm not gonna... I need to find some soul cluster buddies. That's why you're here. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm like the compliment to you guys. I'm not, I'm not in the same cluster. <laughs> in that show, they're not all the same. They're actually very, very oh, different. So maybe oh. you are a part of the soul cluster. Yeah. Yay. I mean, not to backtrack, but earlier you talked about like why you kind of enjoyed working at Mind Body, And mm-hmm. for me getting onto this whole new team. I had been with the company for four some odd years in a completely different department coming onto this new team. It took like six months for me to stop asking myself, did I make the right decision? But one of the, one of the reasons was, was you, you know, it it took a couple weeks to Janelle's point. Like there was this, uh, for her, I don't know, like, Hmm, there's someone new and I don't know what they're going to do here. And for me, it was, does this person ever smile? Like for a while, <laughs> for a while. No. And, no, and I think it was when I actually cr- I cracked you a little bit, and maybe I don't know. Like it was like two weeks in, and almost everything uh, our coworker would bring up or something, Janelle was like, Meh. or so she would just say things without even looking away from her computer, 
And for me, I'm like, I got nothing to lose. I don't know where this job is going to take me, and I don't know if I'm going to get along with her. So I decided to ask this really blunt question, which for some people say I can sound um, pointed. I was like, all right, I'm just going to go for it. And so I think I said out loud, and it was really quiet in our area. I'm like, do you like anything? And then everyone started to laugh, and I think that's when she started to smile a little. I'm like, okay, I think I got her. I think I, I must be the worst first impression because <laughs> I was you, just gonna say like this is you now came the second time. This is like the third time someone's come on the podcast and been like, "You were a cold hearted bitch when I met you," and then you warmed up. <laughs> I, I wouldn't ever use those words. It was I more know. like it, I felt more like this is all business. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know, because I don't know what it means to be a trainer. I'm like, is she always going to analyze my, my words? It just, she, I mean, she's not my boss, and yet somehow I feel like I need to show her that I mean business. But, I'm very good with authority and yeah. being an authoritative Well, trainer. yeah. That's, and, and, and so back to that point, the thing I think I was drawn to you is, not that I'm going to say the thing that keeps me drawn to you, is just there's this, like, knowingness about you. Like, there was this steady hand, and... You know, if we go back to anyone who knows, Rachel, do you know about, like, the DISC profile? Oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) So, it was very clear that for Janelle's D tendencies, I I was like, yeah, I don't have a lot of that in my life. In fact, I'm on the exact opposite. And it wasn't in any way, like, I need to use this person, but I'm like, I could learn from this person. So, it wasn't strategy, but it was just like yeah, this is a good thing to have around in my life. And then before you know it, it was less about the D tendencies and more just about the Janelle, the person. Oh, there was... And then we're singing karaoke in the office. And just that was just one day. You're welcome. <laughs> and hula hooping and... Yes. We had a little mermaid. It was like, I think it was one of my last days of work. It was my last week and I probably initiated it. But we were singing, oh, yeah. the three of us. Part of your world. We had a rep right before I left. We got... It's put in this small office, oh. like, I don't know, like, four feet by five feet, maybe <laughs> not, not even. I think it was, like, four feet by four feet. Super small. There's three of us just, like, packed in this little room. Back to back. <laughs> but we had a door, so we closed the door, and we just started singing A Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid. Yeah. And that's how I ended my time. <laughs> okay, also weird that literally yesterday, in the back room of my job, we also were singing that. Were you? That's weird. Yeah. You That's this is getting really weird. What's, what's happening? I don't know. Something weird. Is this real? <laughs> Can you see is this me? A dream? <laughs> <laughs> Can you see me? <laughs> I have actually been trying to remote view, but that's for another podcast episode. Ooh, so oh. I you can't I feel like you can't just drop that in. Oh. But it's fine. Do you, well, do you guys know what that is? I'm assuming it's like dropping into another body. And like... um, I mean, the CIA apparently is like practicing it, but okay. it's where you can remote view into a ro- another room or like another country. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know like how engaged the environment is with you as much as you might be just taking in what's happening. Um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Just to, I'm going to backtrack just in case we brought up DISC and sometimes we talk about things on here and if anyone's listening and they have no idea what it is, it's an assessment for your traits. I feel like I should know this better because we used to train on it and there's certain ways. It's not a personality test. It's your traits that show most prevalent in certain 
environments. So a lot of times you might have traits that are more prevalent in your work environment versus at home. So I think a lot of people, to Joaquin's point, I mean, I'm probably always a little bit more trait D-wise, but it might be different depending on where you are. And what do, what do they stand for again? Um, dis, a D is dominant. Okay. I is, um, Influ- hold on. Influence? Influence. S is steady, steady. stability. Yeah, steady, I think. And then C, I kind of, did I spell it correctly? Yeah, C is yeah. conscientious, yeah. I think. So anyway, if you're interested, just to give you guys some context for people that, if they don't know what it is, um, you can look it up. You can take the assessment if you want to. So anyway. just to give some some backstory on that, just in case anyone Thank hasn't you. heard of it. But should we, should we start to talk about labels? You can. The idea, and it kind of fits in with the disc profile even, sort of, because that is somewhat of a label, right? Um, I'm a, a lovable asshole according to disc profile, but like we talk about all the time on the podcast, we're all of it. You know, I can be, I could totally be an asshole, but I can also be super sweet too. And we're range or a spectrum of so many different things. Um, and when you and I were having a conversation, we started to get into labels and you had kind of mentioned how labels are something that you've tried to remove from your own life, at least for mm-hmm. yourself. So do yeah. you want to elaborate on that? For score. And no, why <laughs> I would say this actually started probably when I was four or five. Um, growing up, kind of going back to that, I always felt a little different, but not to say that that different was good or bad. It was just different. Um, I did go to public school for a while. And then I was pulled out and was homeschooled. So, but when I was in public school, it was it was very obvious that I was different than like the boys I was around. Um, but I never saw myself just being a girl. Like I just like things were always just felt off. But I felt like okay, I, I wear these clothes. I can only do these things, and it was very clear that there were rules, but no one could explain the why behind the rules. And Growing up in the household I grew up in, you don't ask why, you do. And I mean, and for anyone who hears this and knows me, like my parents, wonderful people, love them, may they both rest in peace, but just, you know, it was the 90s. My dad was ex-military. My mom just, you do what needs to get done and don't disrupt the household. So I would say as soon as I was being called by my dad, like, quote unquote, young man, it felt like he was talking about somebody else. Like, it's not that I think that's a bad thing. It just felt like that wasn't me. Like, I I didn't have words to say, call me this instead. I just didn't know why I didn't feel right. And so for the longest time, I thought there was something wrong with me. And, you know, bless their hearts, I could hear my parents talk about me. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what that did to me because I think it was just one of those things where you take in information but you don't know what to do with it especially as a kid you don't know what coping tools to use and I would hear you're making it worse for him from my dad and my mom would say you don't understand he's just sensitive and I remember hearing that word and I would like rack my brain there wasn't google back then I'm like does that mean sensitive good sensitive fragile sensitive bad is that the thing that makes me different? Uh, okay, well, maybe if I'm not sensitive, but there, pff, I could not not be sensitive. My brothers were like big and loud and want to wrestle and I would wrestle, but I didn't feel like it. Um, so I think with the term man or whatever, I always felt weird about it. 
And my mom would let me play with my sister's toys when my sister was home. But her thing would always be like, just don't tell your father. And so I felt like there was like this complicit relationship I could have with doing other things as long as not everybody knew. Um, to add to that, we also grew up in a very devout Christian home. And to not bring religion into the conversation as far as what's wrong or right in that, it was more of more confusion with, well, both of my parents are Christian. My dad doesn't like something, but my mom says it's okay. Well, what does God say about it? And so there was a lot of questions, but not many answers for the longest time. Um, and I was just finding through various experiences how the words we use can be freeing, but they can also have this um, side effect of limitation and side effect of ost uh, ostracizing people. And so... It's not like I feel we can't use certain definitions. I won't tell anyone to not use a definition for themselves. It's more of a personal journey. I, and for me right now, sure, call me he. I, I don't care, but it, it still doesn't sound right. I was say, there's so much to unpack. You yeah. very beautifully, like, I, you're obviously a storyteller. I'm, like, there with you. And... One of the first things that came up for me was um, as I was growing up, I never had any like qualms about the gender stuff. And so I didn't even notice when I may have been being put into a box, which is kind of interesting. Whereas at a young age, you maybe started to use discernment quicker than the average bear because it was such a visceral experience for you. Um, but I can relate to feeling that way later on. You know, I mean, there were other labels that I heard my parents, and this is like a common thing in my family of, um, like if you walk into the room that's deemed mine now, because my parents aren't in the room where, they were, where I was raised. Um, but when you walk in there, it's like all the old books that my mom had to, tr it's like, oh, how to raise your hell child, how to raise your child from hell. Like I was deemed like the crazy child and among, amongst other labels and, um, and also like being asked to take certain steps in terms of a profession or a career that I should take and then not feeling like that. So I think that I can relate to the experience of, not feeling like the things you're telling me I'm supposed to do, it's not computing, like it's not fitting. You're asking me to put on this, these clothes because when I worked at Target Corporation, my first job out of college, and I felt, I literally was trying to explain to people, when you put, make me put this suit on, I can't perform. Like I can't actually, my brain shuts down because when I wear a suit, it's so stuffy for me and people would be like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, get over it. Just like, just show up and do the thing. And I was like, I can't. It's like literally my brain shuts down when I put a suit on. And so I can, and I don't know if that was your experience. I'm just relaying from my own. Um, but the, the universality to that. And then to come even now in a different realm of labeling, I shaved my head when I was 30 
and the types of people that were attracted to me when I shaved my head versus when I look like a normal pretty girl with long curly hair is was astounding to me. Like I didn't change anything about myself except for, you know, I shaved my head and then all of a sudden I was different to people. And and I really liked being confusing to people and being kind of androgynous and like people couldn't really fit put me in a box and I I loved it. Um and then people started being like, oh, so then if you're not that, are you, you must be non-binary then, or you must be these other things. And then I was just like, I, why do you have to even call me anything? Why can't I just be Rachel? <laughs> and so anyways, I'm not really like coming to any sort of point except for that I'm, uh, I relate to what you're saying from an, from essence, like absolutely. And the form, you know, is different, but it is interesting um, I don't know, I'm, always, I'm just always so enthralled and appreciative of the universality of the human experience when we actually have the courage to share um, our story. So Everyone has their own yeah. unique experience, and it's, it sounds silly because I'm no scholar, but it's one of those things where I, I, I truly feel like, and if you were raised in this house where there was this open and free thought, that's great, but for for some of us, I think a lot of what our lives are, I mean, a good chunk of it is, and I found kind of a word for me lately, is unlearning. And and, and not putting a lot of um, poignancy on, it was the parents. Like, as soon as you release your parents, right, they're people. And whether or not they did their best every single day, hey, you were alive. And maybe it could have been better, but... I think a lot of it is trying to figure out, like, my parents loved me, but they also didn't know what they were doing with me, right? I'm sure my dad had no idea how to raise someone that was not a lot like him in that regard. And and so to your point, Rachel, it is very much just, even if it's not the same thing, it is very much like a, I have to at some point make a, a judgment call for myself independent of what my parents think is right, but not because you're trying to oppose them, but it's more of the, the train of thought, the culture, and, and it, that's more deeply ingrained than just from our parents. It's definitely years and decades and decades. And so it's almost kind of a, for some people, very uncomfortable to try to shake the culture up, not because you're trying to be this warrior maybe you are and that's cool but it's just I want to I want to live more comfortable in my skin and I can't do that if I wear that suit or I can't do that if um I need to almost go stealth and and be in a better place for you to feel more comfortable around like yeah I I love what you're saying because no matter how you're raised or what situation you go through and we've talked about like the point when you realize thing shit's just like made up (laughs) and and like I really was pissed when I first like was like oh my god this shit's all made up and we all (laughs) decided to just agree with this version of life and And then somebody said to me, like, Rachel, come on, there's got to be like something there because otherwise it'd be chaos. And I was just like, I get it. But like, it's just so fucked up, like totally fucked up. And like, but then, you know, in that mentality, there's, you're still, if you're fighting the system, you're still allowing it to control you. And so what I hear and what you're saying, which is such a beautiful invitation is that 
it's not that anyone is good or bad or anything that they've done is good or bad. It's using that stimulus to pause for a second and be like, how did that feel when, and I'm saying this way more like calmly than I'm, than it, how it's happened for me anyways. But instead of being like, oh, you're a bad person. Cause now that makes you the victim again. And it makes them a perpetrator or whatever, but it's like, oh, there's this thing coming at me or there's this thing that exists and I'm feeling a certain way. Okay. How can I use that to better understand me and who I want to be? And then own that for myself, not as a defiance or as a promotion of anything except just to live aligned or at peace or centered or you know whatever your words are and that's a very different way of of living because again if you're fighting the system it's still controlling you mm-hmm. i think it's very interesting and i from my perspective it's like the labels are they're different right they were things like you're bossy you're loud like yeah, you're your dominant personality, you're bold. And I consider myself a disruptor in some ways, but like you said, I think it's hard. Like it it's the culture and it's you care about the people around you and you don't want to disappoint other people, but something inside of you. I mean, you're just like, this is me. Like how how am I supposed to be anyone else? I mean, it's a lot harder actually. Like when you can get out of your head, I mean, it's a lot harder not to be you and to just try to suppress that versus um, caving in. Granted, like they're, they're pro or not really pros, I would say, but there are, there's effort and ease in both of those in different ways. But, um, but it always, a lot of times it made me question myself. It's like, should I be softer spoken? Should I be sweeter? Should I be more submissive when I'm around people like are are guys gonna love me because I'm just like I think a lot of times I actually can have a lot more masculine energy than I have feminine energy and I'm like great like no no guy's gonna want that they want the wallflower which is fine if they want that too but I'm like who's gonna want me I'm just a bossy busy like (laughs) um so different different labels but I think it's all very relatable how it connects and how it makes us feel yeah and it's And that's the thing where the last thing I want to be is misunderstood. Like we should just throw them all out. Like there are certain things that are necessary, like for representation with government and for make sure we have protected classes. Like, yes, we do. But when it comes to the point of if you as a person can no longer be authentic because of a certain label in society or in your own household, that's where it can get damaging. Um, Another person that like really helped me to start seeing it in that way also kind of like still speaking the same language was uh Brene Brown um she kind of just said something to the point of like showing up for yourself is a form of bravery but sometimes you just have to show up for yourself to yourself like to Rachel's point looking in the mirror without like hate eyes and and that's one way but also just even not making a conscious decision to somewhat hide certain parts of yourself is also showing up for yourself. Um, it, it it can sound, I don't want to say kooky, I don't want to put a judging label on it, but for me, I've just, it's been, what, 30 years since I've been on this earth, and finding, to Rachel's point, just, we are technically all the same. And we are born in these beautiful bodies, and we have to figure out how to make life work, and hopefully we can make it work better than it is right now. and 
with that said, we also are taught a lot of different things that, like I said earlier, we're trying to unlearn. But at the same time, we have to own who we are. And that can take a lot of inner work because owning who we are can have been influenced by our parents or by our friends, but it really has to be if none of that was around, who am I? And to be okay with that. And I wasn't okay with that for a very long time. I've been talking to Rachel a lot about that concept of internal and external. And I love the term unlearning because for me, moving to slow, one of the things is, and and I love my family, like same thing. I think they're great. I love spending time with them, but there was so much that was taught to me in that space and that, that culture that didn't necessarily feel true to me. And like, I don't even know, like, I don't think I really realized it until I was out of the influence. Like sometimes it just takes doing something new or breaking out of it to like the amount of change I think I've gone through since moving to slow, just like being in a new space, like being around new people, having a different level of influence, and then realizing things that I thought I want weren't necessarily genuine to, I mean, I mean, they were genuine, I guess, at the time, but it was more that influence of this is kind of what you're supposed to do. And so that was always in the back of my mind. And then it would, you know, anything else that might have been a little bit different, it would get pushed down by maybe shame or get pushed down by not wanting to disappoint someone and it's almost like a plant that couldn't get start to grow and push up out of the ground and then all of a sudden you know someone I don't know clears some things out of the way or moves the concrete above it and it was just like oh like there are things about yourself that you haven't had the opportunity to explore and because whatever has been cleared away now this is the process where you can really get to know who you are as an individual and not like push people out. Cause I think that's a hard balance that I have of, okay, I'm looking inward and I want to be me, but you're always going to be influenced by the people around you. So how can you be you and still, you know, go home and love and respect and care for my parents and appreciate their opinions, but not let them, sort of like penetrate me. And I mean, it's beyond beyond your parents too, but I think that happens in so many different scenarios. And when I moved to slow, I think something that was really cool and really opened me up was the team at on like for learning and development. I mean, it really was like, I had never been in an environment like that where people were like, no, actually be yourself. Like I always been in an environment. This kind of goes, I mean, work and personal life are, kind of one of the same, despite what we say, but I had always been taught to be in an environment where you are stoic, where you're very work, like you have to just really fight and claw for what you want. And like with a few exceptions, like Rachel obviously being my friend at work and like opening up there um, and then going to this environment where people are like, no, like be yourself. And I'm like, you want me to be myself? Like, are you sure? <laughs> it's cool. It's going to be cool. Am I going to be reprimanded for actually being myself? You're just like, is this a trap? Um but really feeling that level of acceptance and it just had never been something that I had experienced before professionally either, which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, well, and on the other side of the coin too, it's, which is why I have always had an issue with some of the disc assessments and not just disc, but like anything that's categorizing like the, what the Myers-Briggs, like all those things. Um, I used to be really, actually, if you listen to season one, I'm like, boo, down with the assessments. <laughs> and um, 
and now I, you know, I definitely see when there is this, you know, we live in a society that for the most part really lacks the space for self-awareness unpacking and listening. And I, I do think that's changing a little bit, but for the most part, you know, we're looking to tests and assessments to tell us who we are and to diagnose. And, um, and in that, it's almost like, well, I can't help it because I am domineering. And so I'm a lovable asshole, just deal with it. And, you know, and I think, you know, in my own life, I can relate to being called, you know, a crazy child to the point where sometimes I was just like, I don't think I consciously did it, but I can see that like, it kind of gave me a little bit of permission to be a little bit crazy sometimes because that's who I was. And, um, and to be able to take my power back, especially in this relationship that I've been in now for, for six years, you know, I historically would categorize myself as like you, like more masculine energy, definitely the aggressor. I joke about the fact that I'm like, you know, I'm this spicy Italian. And like, when I get mad, like da, 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 da. But like, seriously, I'm like on a front, like I probably have had pretty, no, I've had anger issues and I've had to work really hard to move past that assumption that that's just who I am. And in my relationship with my boyfriend, it's like, I wanted to be able to just say, you know, it's just because I'm Italian, like, you're just gonna have to deal with it. And I did, like, I kind of did that for a long time until maybe even like a year ago, where I started being like, okay, I know that that's my tendency, but that doesn't mean that that's my only option. And it's, it is a, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a daily um, commitment or a daily, it used to be that way. But I, I mean, I can't even tell you the last time that I said a nasty word to somebody close to me. And that used to be like a major defense mechanism of mine. If you knew me and I know a lot of people would be like, yeah, right. You're so nice. And I am. And when I get pushed to my limit, which I allow myself to get, or I had allowed myself to get, I also gave myself permission to be a dick because that's who I you know, that's what I came from and that's who I am and that's my way. And so it's just like, deal with it. Um, so I guess I just bring that up um, as an invitation to the other side of like owning, owning the labels that we choose for ourselves and the fact that you can actually evolve and you, you are all of it. And I still can have a tendency towards aggression and actually just because I think <laughs> something that's kind of gross, I, I don't do it now. And, you know, I think it a lot less. And the way I show up is as like a co-creator and somebody who's really open. And so giving myself the invitation to wrestle with those labels and unpack them a little bit so that I can choose and choose and choose and choose because guess what? Sometimes that, you know, I'm saying aggressive, but on a good side, having a bite can serve me. And so it's not that it's bad, but it's knowing that I have that capacity and knowing when I want to activate it. Um, but giving myself a much more expansive view on 
the labels I choose to own when I choose to own them. Joaquin, would you be willing to talk a little bit about your relationship history? Yeah, okay. I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, talk about self-awareness. <laughs> um, Rachel brought up a good point. So, I mean, in fact, glad you asked that. But, like, it, it was reminding me as she was saying it just, yeah, maybe we are transitioning to more self-awareness. And, but, you know, back in the early 2000s it, and even now just it's easy and I've, I've heard the term easy can also be interchanged with lazy um, it's mm-hmm. easy slash lazy to see something and allow the story in your head to be the truth about something yes we always take information we have to dissect is this good is this bad am I threatened is this safe that's going to be automatic, but when it comes to using a label to then perhaps treat somebody differently and or just pose certain things to them as if they're not necessarily equal. Um, I think that, to your point, Janelle, relationship history, it, I've always been attracted to girls, always. Um, by that, I mean as a kid. I had a brother who was 14 years older than me. So when I was four, he would bring home like his high school girlfriends for dinner just to meet the family. And there was one in particular, she was wearing my brother's sweater. She had braces on and I just could not stop staring at her. She was eating my favorite dish. Like (laughs) I always just like would flock to his girlfriends because I was, maybe it's a brotherly competition thing. But as I got older, um, yeah, I thought they were cute and all, but I was also homeschooled. So my only interaction with anyone really was at church, um, youth group, things like that. So eventually um, started to notice some of the girls at youth group. But as a 14, 15 year old, you're not really allowed to quote unquote date. What is that really? Like, you don't have your own car, so I don't know what that even means. <laughs> um, <laughs> um but before I turned 14, 15, there was one particular day that I, I don't want to say would change the rest of my life. It was one of those things that I guess you could say is a pivotal moment that I didn't realize it was. I must have been 10 or 11, maybe 12. It all kind of fades away at some point. It's all young, young age. Um, I was sitting in quote unquote kids' church, um, but I had been raised to listen to very old like King James Bible stuff. So if kids church felt very watered down for me and I was usually bored. Um, but there's usually like these youth helpers that would help like the youth pastor, or the children's pastor with stuff. And you know, it was just a normal Sunday and I was sitting down and there was this one in particular helper who happened to be male, must've been 15 for a split second. And I'm telling you a split second, my brain instantly thought was like either it wasn't, he was cute, but I wonder what it'd be like to like hang out with him in that kind of way. And I physically shook my head, like physically, and I let it go, never let it come back. It was almost like a don't call me again sort of thought, never thought about it again. But that was always there. And I couldn't explain why it happened and why I reacted that way. There was something that told me, do not let that happen. I said, okay, all right, that's fine. That's fine. Something is, I I don't know if it was bad. It was just something I didn't want to invite. So back to girls, great, fine. And eventually went back to public high school 
that's a whole other story. Um, but eventually started to kind of see what was out there. And again, they're 13, 14, how are you really dating? But I mean, I was in love at 14, but it's fine. <laughs> it, I, I, I was kidding. I was just seeing what was out I there. I mean, I was, but... So needless to say, I always just pursued something more than just a friendship with girls, but never really did anything that you'd think a high school boy did. Never really did that. Um, so anyway... Cut to 2006, and after all the stuff happened with my mom, moved to California, and after I tested out of high school, I started working for Starbucks. And next door was a sub shop, and someone worked there who I thought was very attractive. Still are. And at some point, I think they were they came inside the shop, or they were on the patio. It was like a shared patio, and they were giving out samples, and like, just looking at them, my heart fluttered. Um, so eventually we started to date. And this is female, and got along with them well. And long story short, we always were on again, off again. They were always working, and I would always work. And at that time, I was 18. I still hadn't um, grieved the loss of my mom, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Not a good place to start a relationship, but that was probably the funnest thing I thought to pursue in my life. Um, so anyway, we're dating. Everything's happening. Over the course of our relationship, which was about four years, my sexuality was called into question. Um, it had been called into question since I was 13, and I didn't even know why. So kind of sidebar, if you will, a Saved by the Bell moment. Time out. Um, when I was back in public school there were these two kids in a math class that were talking about me in front of me. And I didn't know that one of them said something like, no, he is. And my head was down on my paper. Cause we were supposed to do like a, a group project of three. And then I heard, well, no, he can't be. Well, no, he has to be. And so at some point the girl, it was a guy and a girl, they both looked at me and they're like, I'm sorry. Um, are you gay? I'm like, what? And I like picked my head up. I'm like, I'm trying to solve this math problem right now. And I have no idea what this is. And they're like, no, are you gay? And I'm like, um, what? And they're like, well, no, I've seen you at youth group. You can't be because you love God. And I'm like, no, I'm not gay. And they're like, oh, like they didn't believe me. So later that day, I go to church and I tell someone that I trusted. And somebody else behind that person heard and kind of chuckled. Like they knew. And so did the person that I told. They're like, well, what do you think about that? And why do you think they think you're gay? Like, they all knew for some reason, so it felt like this big conspiracy that everyone was keeping this from me. So I went to the bathroom and I cried. Not because gay is wrong, but it was as if someone was telling me something that I was that I didn't know. Yeah. Um, told my dad the next day, and basically all he said was to change your mannerisms. So I just felt completely alone. So anyway, time in. Now in this relationship, my ex was like, are you? Are you not? And I said, no, I want to be with you. And that was true. I want to be with you. Um, there weren't any problems. I will just say that. But there was just, you know, plain and simple, there was nothing wrong with them. And there was nothing wrong with me, but we were just, we were young. And we actually got married. And in my mind, I'm like, we already been living together. We've been through some tough times. We're going to make this thing work. I wanted to be proud of being with them. And within a year later, it was, we called it off. We called it off a month before Valentine's Day. Um, 
moved out actually Valentine's Day. So anyway, all of that went down. I'm a big old mess. Cut to Bridget Jones' diary with her singing all by myself, kind of getting drunk on her bed. Like just, I was done. Like I, I would drink, I would drink like Long Island iced teas and eat pizza in my own like studio. Like yeah, I, I, for the longest time, just I was not ready. So anyway, it was about a year and a half later. I wasn't like I'm ready to date now. Like I feel like I'm ready, but I did a lot of active self work. For the longest time, I was angry with them, and then I'd be angry with me, and then all, the whole time, also, you have to be reminded of them, because you have to see them to actually file for divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to show up to court in, in person, and we had not seen each other for months, but at the end of the day, we, we were definitely amicable after we had just not been near each other. Um, but I remember talking to my sister and, and one of my good friends, and I'm like, whenever I decide to pursue a relationship, the one thing I know that I want, and not necessarily say want, but would need, is just someone that is a friend. The thing I learned from that last relationship with my ex was, while we were attracted to each other, and while we loved each other, there wasn't a real understanding of just how the other person ticked, and and, and allowing that to be okay. Like, they are their own person, and you don't have to be a codependent couple for it to be healthy. Talk about unhealthy, right? So I remember just saying, as long as I'm myself, as long as they're themselves, and we don't apologize for it. Yes, there might be habits we might have formed that we can work through, but your core who you are, that should just, that should be accepted and not tolerated. That should be valued. Um, So I was implying, girl or guy, I don't care. And oddly enough, My husband is someone I had already known by the time I was saying this stuff, but there was no context that that was actually going to happen. We had met years prior because, let's see, this is going to sound like a soap opera. My sister's ex-husband was marrying my husband's now a best friend from beauty school. Yeah, so... We'll draw you a map in the show notes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I showed up to my ex-brother-in-law's wedding... Ryan, my husband, was there as kind of like the best man to the bride. But at the time, I was married. So I just saw him in passing. Nothing ever clicked that there would be something there. But as they, you know, had a baby shower and would have like birthday parties for their kids, we would always see each other in passing. Um, And at just, at some point we would hang out. I didn't have a lot of quote unquote gay people in my life. Not because I felt like I needed a quota and not because I was keeping any out, but in this area, I just didn't see a whole lot. So I just thought, cool, I get to know someone. Like, they're a friend. And they saw me at various stages of, of being married to being separated to all this stuff. So they already saw kind of the ugly parts. And I didn't hide anything because I didn't think there was anything to happen in the future. Um, but at some point, there was this... Once they were single and once I was single and it was months later, there was this thought in my head, like, I get to see Ryan later. And I'd worked, you know, eight hours at Starbucks and I was one foot out the door already. I was like, all I want to do is see Ryan. Um, And at one point someone told me that I worked with at the time, you're actually glowing when you talk about him. And so I was like, You still do, by the way. I just love your guys' love. But anyway, continue. (laughs) Um. And so over time, it just, like, we hung out for an entire day. Again, 
without saying we were dating. Like, we were just seeing where it went. And then later that night, a complete PG, you know, family-friendly moment, right? I say later that night, it's still very PG. Let me just say, you have to work for it. <laughs> um, no, like, we just, we shared a kiss, and it was like, I don't want to say Disney Sparks, but just like, there was this feeling of, oh, I missed it until now. Here. Oh. And it was that start of, I think I already know you. I know a lot of people in my life who all of a sudden in their 30s or later in life realized, who were like, I do, like, girls who were like, I do not like vagina. Like, absolutely not. And, And who were just like, all of a sudden recognized this human like this is a human that I care about and is important to me and so I guess it's like what's fascinating as I sit here is I mean I don't want to like you know I guess I'm nor- like I'm like wow this is actually like fairly common so I, I don't really know what that means beyond anything but well I guess I'll ask you what does it sound like to hear me say that is that like a, I, yeah, what does it sound like to hear me say, like, it It seems like a normal thing that happens? I, I think the thing for me is to weave, I guess, to Janelle's question, my relationship status with what we were talking about earlier about labels. Um, it's this idea of being able to explore and, and not with the intent to just explore, because I was very clear with Ryan the day we started to date a wonder he stuck around with me because when we day we started dating, I probably had like a 20 minute soliloquy of all the things that I wanted to lay as groundwork. <laughs> like you are you and I am me and I've never dated a guy. I don't want you to think this is an experiment. I would never do that to you. Like just all of these things. Um, but anyway, there should be this freedom. And so whether people live in that straight world or gay world or bi world or any of those, yeah, it's fun to be in any of those worlds, but there shouldn't be this restriction of, well, if you said you were straight when you were 12, you should be straight when you're 40. Um, yeah. It, it's more of that. I don't, there's still, I think even with, as far as we've gotten this, and this is going to sound weird, just this idea that anything other than what could be considered heteronormative, it, I, I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just not, um, trendy like it can seem like club kid or back alley not necessarily I don't want to say not accepted but just not as common even now and so I have to find for myself um when I stand up for myself is just being able to stand in that Uh, but Ryan and I have talked about this before and I thought it was going to be a a weird conversation and he did he actually was on the same wavelength. When I say husband, I, I say that to be very clear about who he is as a person in my life, but I in no way think of owning him. And I no way of think of like, I have a husband. Because it sounded weird to say that. It still does, as well as when I said I had a wife. Like, I feel like I'm playing mm-hmm. house and I'm playing somebody else. But just for context, when people know who I'm talking about, yes, that's him. But he's also 100% him. Like, I feel like even if I wear a ring, it's I'm not guaranteed another day with him because I still have to treat that like it's the first day. Um, so yeah, husband is a label, but that's not one I think is one that 
anyone could just not get, you can go get a marriage license. It's really easy. <laughs> it's more of what does that mean? Um, even as you're talking, I'm like, well, it is. I mean, you're right. Because even though people are maybe getting more comfortable with the exploring, it's like I have I have friends who in their 30s, like I said, are now realizing as females that they are attracted to both sexes. And even in that, a lot of the fear that came with owning it was about, was even less about how do I allow myself to be comfortable with this same sex person? Because they were just like, I just am comfortable. Like I'm just, this is a human that I love. Um, But it was like, how... I don't want to be inundated with the questions from people trying to figure me out, Mm -hmm. trying to like, so now what are you? And I was like, man, I never thought about that. And like, and the fact that prior to, you know, okay, so they happened to, you know, find the same sex person. And I just want to even say like another human who happened to have the same anatomy and and that prior to that, it was like, I do not like vagina. You know, it was so adamantly like, there is no fucking way that I would possibly ever, you know? And it's like, it's so interesting. And, or like, I now I'm thinking about when I was in, I just graduated from um, from college and all my, a lot of my college friends moved to Chicago. And, and one of my friends... Uh, ended up chopping her hair super short and when we went to the bar she came over and she was crying and I was like what is going on and she and I'm like a very like (laughs) if dudes are dicks at bars or anyone I am like in defense I'm like coming to the rescue warrior Rachel and so I'm like what is happening what's happening and she's like some dudes over there were calling me a lesbian and laughing at me and I was just like what like what the fuck and so I just was like, okay, let's pretend like we're lesbians. <laughs> like, who cares? But it's like, I, I don't know. It's so, it's just interesting that like, you're absolutely right. It is societally. And I can even think for myself having conversations with my mom saying, Hey, I just want you to know, and being really nervous about it. Like, Hey, I just want you to know that like, I love humans. So like, I don't know if that, I don't really know exactly what, like, I'm not trying to label anything, but I'm just letting you know that that might mean that at some point in time, a man, I mean, I, I couldn't even say like a man might not walk in the door, even, which is crazy. Like, I don't care. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but there is that, like, what are people going to think? Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that exists. And that as progressive as a society as we live in, like, man, there's still a lot of stuff that's just not very free at all I sometimes wonder too if we keep we always talk about society and the the walls and the ideas that put are put into our head but if we all grew up in a society where you did just date whoever and there were no labels or expectations it was just like hey I love this person as a human like you all were saying if we'd actually find that it's so much more common that people, I'll use your words, Rachel, with the same anatomy are together because there's no stigma and because they were able to just like feel what they wanted to feel in that moment with a person without 
thinking it's wrong or kind of like you had mentioned when you were in church and you, you had that spark, but you were just like, no, push it down, push it down. Like, I guarantee there are so many more people oh, that yeah. have that, that just never let it come back up because of society or their family or whatever it may be. And again, not to say that they're, they're gay or whatever, but that they might actually end up just falling in love with someone because of who they are, which I don't know. Yeah. I, I hope, I think it'd be really cool. I mean, I think it's a good future. Question. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting question. Cause like, I mean, yeah, definitely there would be more variety of relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you can necessarily say there'd be more one way or another. And know. then the thing that, that I don't, I don't think that you can like say that it would be like more people would veer towards same sex. Like I think, or whatever. Yeah. And you that's know, what I'm think, saying, but I think it'd be, I don't know. I just think it'd be interesting because I always think about myself. Like I consider myself someone that is attracted to males, but I don't know if I were raised different or I had different modeling, like who know? Like, I don't know. I don't know if I would, but that's just kind of like how I was raised and I haven't had anything in my life that sparked me as a catalyst in the other direction, but I don't know. Like it still might happen. Who knows? I, so I, yeah. like, I think of it from like my own perspective of just like that, the option for me to like anyone other than a male, like I knew other people that like women that liked women, but like it never felt like an option for me. And maybe if it did, like maybe nothing would be different. Well, even just like, okay, so we live in this society where you just assume that like, if you look this way, one way, then you're going to like somebody that looks this other way really diminishes an open dialogue about anything. It's just like, we're just going to assume our roles and we're going to step into those roles. Yeah. <laughs> and in a society where people are all just humans and then you meet another human and you don't actually know what of their preferences, what they like, what they don't like, you know, anything. Now you've got to actually get curious and have a conversation. That would be a cool society to live in where people genuinely are like, you're another human and I don't know what you're, you have chosen your defaults to be. Um, and that's, that's an interesting concept to consider. And then the other, like the, the other part of me is like, well, with so many options, like are, we tend to try to make a uh, construct so that we, our brains don't explode. <laughs> And so what, so then my question is like, what would be the thing that we would classify people around in order to (laughs) feel like there's structure that exists? So if it's not sexuality, then what would be the other thing that exists? Mm -hmm. Because I, I do think that that's an innate part of trying to create some control out of the, out of all the variables that exist. True. So. And for me, it's like, my brain is racing thinking of all the different things to that. It's, it's, I think to kind of come back to what you were saying earlier, Rachel, just like we're all here and like we're all the same and kind of thinking about labels, you know, whether they were caused by our parents or their parents, whatever, it's back to the unlearning. But also it's, I also, from uh, Marianne Williamson, I think she said like, we were all born of love and we learn fear here. And so, there might be some people who actually do want to either physically or just emotionally harm people for being other, being different. 
But overall, I think even for me, I have to challenge myself to not put people in a box, even if I don't tell them. Because I always go back to 13-year-old me going, that, that sucks. And so even if I never tell someone something that I think about it, it's, well, why am I doing that? First, I, and back to that self-awareness that you're saying, Rachel, is, well, why am I doing that? Oh, because they look this way. They sound this way. That's fine. Does that mean they're this? And so I go through like a checklist in my mind. But if I, if I fill myself up more with love, not to say there won't be a second where a thought would cross, but the love almost envelops that suspicion or the need to diagnose somebody. And it's, it's, if I can be 100% within myself, and it's this idea of interdependence, I do not need a, a cue from you to love you or to be kind to you. Yeah. You can tell me who you are, and I can still treat you the same. But that's a very highly evolved way to think. But Absolutely. It, but it starts with you, right? How yeah. Could, how, how could I expect to give that to somebody if I look at myself and I still say, I wish I was blank. And let me tell you, I still yeah. have those days. And I have to go like, oh, hold on now. Hold on. We're all here for a reason. And I want to make too much noise. I read something the other day that like stuck to my heart. Um, it's from the book, Wherever You Go, There You Are, from the author John Cabot Zinn. Zim? Zinn? It's an M or an N? Zen. Mm-hmm. Thank you. N. Thank yeah. you. It's one of those. And I bought that book years ago, and there was something about it that I, I hadn't picked it up for the longest time. And I, I've been reading it, I don't want to say every night, but just, you know, almost every night. There was a quote there that just, like, it hit me right before I went to bed. And it said, do that which is assigned to you, and you cannot hope too much or dare too much. He actually picked it up from Ralph Waldo Emerson. And, and so to that point of, I can give you that love, but I first need to be whole within myself and, and be, in essence, free of the labels. Yeah, I operate, you know, I am a bus driver. I am a trainer. I am a marketing director. Like, I do have to have an idea about what I do on this earthly plane. But if I stay in that mindset, then I'm thinking very small. So that quote of do that which is assigned to you, like, whatever gifts, whatever things you've been blessed with, the more you try to hide them or the more you focus on the things that you don't like, you are not giving power or energy to those things that you're here for a reason for. So the more I might think, like, am I too dominating or whatever? I'm so not focused on all of those things that I could bring out of myself. And so it's that love that can envelop me, which then doesn't care if you're gay, straight, this or that, or anything else, because, hey, we're the same. Show me more about about what you can do, and I'll show you what I can do, and maybe we can do something great together. Or at least I can respect that independent of not needing to reduce it at all. And what I heard in that is this, like, ability to accept yourself so much that you can actually (laughs) accept people where they're at. So it's like, as much as you want somebody, like, we're sitting here saying, you know, what if there was a society where, you know, we didn't put labels on each other so that people could just be who they are? Well, it goes on the meta reverse as well of like, okay, so then you then also, there's an invitation in that if you want that world to exist, to allow other people who are living in the reality of 
discomfort around X, Y, and Z to also exist. Mm -hmm. And, and that's exactly what I hear you saying is like, okay, I want to experience this. And so how can, if I really want change, how can I model that behavior for somebody fully, so fully that I can allow them to be judgmental towards a label that they happen to put on me, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, and still be loving and accepting of their existence on this planet. Mm -hmm. Because if I can't do that, then I can't, like, then it's not, it's broken still. It's still a broken system. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, I, I, honestly, for me, I, I haven't come up with any of this stuff. I feel like over the years, like, there's certain bits and pieces of what people have said that just, like, yes, that's the truth. And so something else Marianne Williams said, I'm going to butcher it. She said something like, the more you are yourself, and for whatever that means, wherever you're at, you are, in essence, giving people the permission to do that, too, for themselves. And so yeah, the less the less you hide... Whether or not they're going to want to not hide themselves, at least you brought that invitation out. Um, and something else to yeah. what you just said, Rachel, yeah, how could we expect it of society if we're still, like, going to do it ourselves? Um, RuPaul yeah. said one time, um, and this was not in that context. It was more of just, like, trying to help somebody who was just stuck in their head, but just, like, everybody, everybody is on their own trajectory. And it's very easy in interpersonal relationships, friendships, uh, friends, coworkers in your at home, when you can easily diagnose or see if only you just did this, or if only mm-hmm. you dumped this guy because you keep dating the same guy, or if only you finish your degree, you could stop talking about working this dead end job. Like all of these things, we think we might have the answer, and not to say we don't, but until that person is ready. We can, to your point, Rachel, love them where they're at, but not out of um, patronizing, but just knowing fully. Yeah. We're there too. We're, we're not complete yet either. So I have to be loved where I'm at no. too. Um, totally. It's, it's that idea of, and I didn't come up with this quote, but um, at the end of The Wizard of Oz, um, Dorothy was kind of perplexed. She's like, why didn't you tell me all I had to do was just click my heels and tell me I could go home? Because the good witch said, because you wouldn't have believed me. You had to go through this mm-hmm. journey. So we can tell the people around us, just click your heels, just click your heels, it's fine. They're still needing to go through that journey. And I think that's the challenge of being able to accept them wherever they're at, because it, it sounds beautiful in theory. And then in real so life, hard. you want to bash their heads <laughs> in the wall. You want to tell them, don't call me with your problems, because all you want to do is tell me about your problems. But... I think true love, it's, it's that unconditional piece and we're human. So we're going to struggle through it, but it's, yeah. How can we love where they're at? Well, and it's interesting too, to like, when Janelle came and visited, um, we had a conversation about just even in like your romantic relationship, you, each person, we're all of it. Each person is going to go through their, their own dips. You know, I don't want to like, necessarily label anything as good or bad per se but times of discomfort that are then uncomfortable for the partner and an ability to allow that person to be who they are you know we we really live in a society of swiping and 
and wanting the ideal whatever. And yeah, I mean, I do too. And, you know, was it Oprah that was like, I'm probably, I'm sure it wasn't, but somebody at one point was like, how about something like, don't, well, not missing the person that's right there. Oh my God. I'm totally butchering it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know what quote I'm talking about? Yeah. But it's like, what if we just, I don't know. I used to think about it all the time of like, man, I kind of, not I wish, but like, if I just had an arranged marriage, it would make it so much easier because then I would just like, okay, then I would just have to commit to this person and I would, I would commit to this person and I would just learn and grow and da, 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 da. And like, no, okay. That's not the answer either. It's both. It's like, how do you give yourself the chance to choose and don't just run the first second it gets hard and uncomfortable, but it's like this allowing of another person to be who they are while allowing yourself to be who you are. And I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm not really coming to like a very clear spot, except that it feels paralleled in society at large Mm -hmm. to, you know, allow yourself in order to be seen and allow yourself to be seen, you know, you being a stand for that, it, it, it works that way in a relationship too. And not just running for the hills because all of a sudden this person looks a certain way that now you have a judgment call on and you have a label on, um, which again, I know I'm an extreme, if it doesn't feel right, do what you got to do. Um, but what if we didn't run as quickly? What if we like took a breath and allowed ourselves to sit in that gap space and what happens then? Well, I mean, I feel like as much as I'm saying things just for my own self, like there's just a bunch of things, again, quotes and things that have just, I've been part of like my blood now. Like one of the things to your point, Rachel, is just, I don't know who said it, so I didn't come up with this one, but as soon as I read it, I'm like, yeah, it's like, it's this idea that we are all just trying to walk each other home. Mm, That's really sweet. And, and so, and, and, and it's like, whether it is the relationship, like your, your significant otra or, or your (laughs) friends, like, or just society at large, the more I think about that, the more it does, it just cuts through all the bullshit. Ooh, I just cursed. I love that. (laughs) Um, there was, hold on. Oh, Something else also that really came to mind was I listened to um, another podcast from Oprah. So you brought up Oprah. So, oh, <laughs> um, and someone was speaking on there and they said like, there's a spiritual purpose to relationship, you know, whether it's family, friends, whatever. And I was telling Janelle about this and it kind of sounds formulaic, but really when you break it down, I'm like, oh, it speaks to me. So take it or leave it as you will. And this person went on and on about each section. So I'm just going to just list the sections. The first thing is to self-actualize before you can do anything else. It's, you have to know, again, what is my job on this planet with a capital J? Like, who am I? And once you birth the love and the energy into that, then you move on to the next step, which is to collaborate and to be able to understand whether it's boyfriend, girlfriend, sister, mother, best friend. Like, once that person self-actualizes and you do as well, it's we are uniquely different but also the same and once we're able to collaborate and value the differences then we move on to the last step which is to be of service um to not weave in what you want to talk about later which is movement for the longest time like movement's just been my thing 
right? Like I, I can do it at home. It's great and it's fun and it really does help. And I don't know where that's going to take me, if anything. I'm not going to delude myself as to what that can mean. But there was something in the last couple of months that said, like, what, can I, what else can I do with this? And it's, if I, I don't want to say good at this, if I just like to do it. And if there's one person who finds some sort of spark of joy, if it speaks to them on that level of now they can go and do something, then I want to do that. So that's why I started posting. And then, of course, you have to challenge, like, if someone doesn't look at it or someone doesn't like it, that's fine. <laughs> right? You don't need... Daily struggle. You don't need that type of validation because the more I do that in my head, I lose. But if I go back to that, I'm self-actualizing, I want to collaborate with others, and I want to be of service, well, then I can share. Right? And if something comes from that, great. And if not, then I, I did something. Uh, but yeah, to, to your point, Rachel, like in my relationship, it's not, I don't want to say a daily thing, but not only are you just two people, and even if there is foundational love and mutual genuine respect, you are still two people who will have temper tantrums. You are still two yeah. people who are going to get hangry or who work back to back shifts and then you don't even care about what the other person has to say for another day. Like it just, it happens and I'm not perfect. You know, I can bring my husband with me next time. <laughs> so he'll tell you, I'm not perfect. But it's that same idea of, okay, so if I self-actualize, I don't need him in the sense of the context of, I need you to tell me who I am. And, and you shouldn't have to look to me to t say who you are. I, I actually very, in fact, wanted to be with you because I know who you are in that sense. And if we can mm -hmm. collaborate, you have your strengths. I have my strengths. I'm, not, I'm never going to diss you for a strength that I might have. And I know you wouldn't talk bad behind me, behind my back, about a strength I don't have. Because now if, when you think about service, whether it's quite literal, we do something together for others, or now that we're so built up in, in our foundation of ourselves and each other, when he goes out into the world, there is an energy there that wasn't there before that he, that we cultivated and same for me. And so I, Absolutely. I, I see it that way too, for just society. Like how could, again, if we, back to your point, Rachel, if we want to expect it out there, it, it really can sound selfish. It starts with the, us, you know, our individual selves. And if that's the work to Janelle's point of just every day, it, it, even little things, but then the more I can self-actualize, the more I stop thinking about what isn't, you know, the more I stop undervaluing what I'm not, right? And, and more about just diving in head first with who I am, whoever that is. Well, and, yeah. yeah, and being able to have the, it's like, I think it's really easy, again, to only see success at like, when it's this large scale thing, but recognizing that like so above, so below, so within, so without, so, you know, macro, so micro and like, or as macro, so my, you know what I'm yeah, trying to say, yeah, yeah. but it's like, it's like, it all starts with one thing. And so what I hear you saying is like, allowing success to be in the moment by moment mm -hmm. abilities to self-actualize, co-create and mm -hmm. being in service or whatever that the words are for you yeah, yeah. in this moment with this set of circumstances and then that moment in that set of circumstances. And even if you weren't able to be it fully, being able to, you know, look at that and learn from it and mm -hmm. do something different, like all those all those moments 
you know, we live in a linear timed construct in this 3D <laughs> dimension. And not to get all crazy, but kind of to get all crazy. Um, and if time is a construct, then that moment is actually the universe. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I, it's really quite beautiful. And um, the invitation to allow a millisecond of your ability to stand in that and to create it with another human or even just within yourself can actually influence massively. Um, it's just looking at it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Keenan and it's I so both just did the my mind blown <laughs> symbol at the same time. Um, so when I was in Egypt, I met a whole bunch of really cool people, one of which was this older gentleman named John. And he it has been like, I can't remember what he said. People do these like amazing things. And I'm like, that's a thing. Holy shit. But he's basically like, he, he goes around and speaks about her work. And she is a Russian occultist from like back, back in like the 1900s. And in some of our conversations that we had, over lunch because I just picked his brain as much as I could and now have all of her books so that I can read like a 2000 page um, book that I really don't know how I'm going to finish. Anyway, <laughs> he said to me, we're all just reincarnations of each other. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And so he's like, and then he just smiled at me and I was like, Oh my God. Like, and when I think, and so sometimes when I'm like really pissed off at like the lady in the checkout line or like <laughs> some person or whatever, I'll be like, that person is a reincarnation of me. And then I'm like, Oh my God, we're all one. And it's like the craziest thing. So in the meta conversation, the philosophical yeah. and the multidimensional, I just I really wanted to share that because yeah. it's, it's, it's been pretty poignant. So I have to check it out. That's, that's pretty fascinating. Um, okay. So I want to know how movement fits into all of this for you. Yeah. Um, I, I think to start as much as we've had, you know, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, <laughs> uh, some great conversation <laughs> around a lot of this, that dance for me or movement, I won't say is anything opposite, but almost is, the thing that's missing out of all of that like and it can sound very silly but like that's not the only area of my life but one of the areas where words aren't always needed and yep. and aside from what I attempt at daily meditation practice um dance or movement for me happened pff, since I've I say three, but maybe even earlier, like, I think as soon as I could walk, there was this idea of, I need to, like, get on the tile, this, like, two by two cut out by the front door, because that was the only tile we had aside from the kitchen growing up, where if I could try to spin with my socks on my feet, I, I just, this feeling of, I don't want to say flightlessness, but, like, motion, which is weird, because if you get to know me, I don't like roller coasters, I don't like this feeling of, like, loss of control but there's almost this flightless feeling for for me huh. um when i'm in movement if you'll i'll just say dance um and my mom says she used to say that she used to listen to michael jackson's thriller album when um i guess the term is in utero when i was still <laughs> being formed and i was cooking um and so maybe that's all makes sense no. maybe that's what it is really i and i can't say for sure 
Um, but ever since I was a kid, I always just, whenever, usually Michael Jackson, it could be something else, but usually Michael Jackson, I had to move. Like there wasn't this, maybe it sounds cool. I was probably one of the shyest kids out there. Just super clamped up, would try to hide behind my parents' legs. But if a Michael Jackson song came on, it wasn't, I need people to look at me. It was, th- that's it. Like I need, this is what I need to do in order to come back to myself almost. Um, I guess it's a funny story. I don't know if you'll like it. But one time, I must have been, again, four or five. Uh, me and my family went to McDonald's just on the weekend. That's the highlight of the weekend. And I'm sitting in the inner booth. I'm the youngest one, the smallest one. Just get inside and sit down and wait for the food. And it was also around Halloween time. And I remember there was, like, these neon um, jack-o'-lanterns that you could get. I throw with a Happy Meal or something. Obviously, the trick-or-treating, which we were not allowed to do. Um... <laughs> Anyway, so while we're waiting the food, I think Michael Jackson's Beat It came on. I don't even remember. I just know I heard it, and with it was like, I didn't have to ask myself if I should. I just was like, I need to dance, but this is, this is a fast food restaurant. Common sense says this is not an appropriate place to have a dance party because you're not in your home. And typically, my parents would never have allowed such a thing. Like, you have to just basically sit down and eat your food. Um, but I asked my sister who was on my left, I'm like, um, would you mind just moving out real quick? I didn't tell her why. She's like, okay. (laughs) And and again, four or five. And I go and grab one of the jack-o'-lanterns that had nothing in it. It was just like kind of, they're all lined up on a countertop. I grab it and I pretend that it was like a hat, like a Michael Jackson hat. And I turned it upside down and put it on my head. And I started spinning around and dancing. And I don't remember anything else after that, but that was like uh, just kind of the indication of that's what I was drawn to um and sure maybe some people like to watch and there's a tension there but the heart of it is when I move and when I dance you get it like if I have to explain why I like it not to you but like if in that moment I have to tell you why I'm happy or why it makes sense then you missed it and it's almost like it's and and maybe I know certain dances and moves and I'm inspired by more than just Michael Jackson, but he would say certain things and I wish I had the quote with me, but it was on the inside of his Dangerous album of just like, I basically, what he said was like, you hear the percussion and my body moves to the percussion. When I start to move, it beckons me to move with it. I become one with the melody. And at the end of the day, all that's left is the dance. It's not me anymore. And so... For me, it's that understanding of whatever I'm supposed to do here on this earth, and whether that has something or nothing to do with dance, there is what I didn't know for the longest time, this healing um, property with it. Yes, you could say, yeah, because you get your heart rate up, and you're moving, and it's cardiovascular, and endorphins, and sure, but it goes beyond that, like... It sounds silly, but even though my feet are touching the floor, there's, again, this flightlessness where I'm, I guess you could say, floating. And for however long I'm dancing, 10 minutes, an hour, if I'm filming a dance video, sure, I'm doing something more technical there. There is this sense that the world is burning and the world is underwater and and we're all kind of trying to make sense of everything. And in that moment, um, things are okay. And... And I hope if I share that with someone, they can see that you can, not because of me. And that's the other thing, too. It's back to that self-actualization. My soul is speaking to your soul right now. 
not you looking at someone who can dance and just be like, look at Joaquin dance. That's so surface. And that would be the last thing I'd want. Like, regardless of what, you know, what I've been saying and, and what people might believe, like, I still fully have a, a belief in God and Jesus. And there's this connection of if I'm supposed to dance, I don't know how that's going to connect with all of that, but there's a purpose. And even if I don't know what that is, maybe it's not for me to know. I didn't write the story. But if I'm open to what, again, my talents are, then maybe it can be used for somebody else. And not, again, just me in my living room. There has to be a purpose. And if not, then, yeah, it's fun, but then it's empty. And I don't believe in that. So there has to be something beyond that. I, again, we're the same person, apparently, because <laughs> I am a dancer who literally at the age of, like, I don't know, whenever you could get up and run, my mom tells this story about taking me to a dance show. And after the first piece was done, I got up out of the seat and ran to the front yelling my turn, like screaming <laughs> it. And then she was like, okay, well, I guess I'm putting her into a dance class. And I used to for years, for years, um, I've always had this presence about me. I, I use my words a lot more and my voice a lot more than I used to. Um, and people would always be like, what are you thinking? And I could never find the right words. I'd always be like, words don't do it justice. And that's why I dance. And like my ability to tap into some, something like that's the expression and there are no words for it. And that's why the movement I, I can, I can, this is how I'm feeling. And I can like do something with my body. And it's not even because I'm trying to answer something. It's that I, that connected feeling that, um, it is that the life energy is like flowing through me. And so I, and I, yeah, I can absolutely relate. Um, and it's almost like, I remember as a kid being like, only other dancers like get it. Cause you're like, what, why do you dance? Why do you love to dance so much? And it's like, there are no words. It's just like, you look at the other dancer and you're just like, this is why I dance. Like you just, do, I don't know. You just do it. And like, it's, it's not about a, it's a, it's a, it's not about a even love. It's like a mandatory, like that is what my body is. That's what my body does. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it to you. That's it. And, and, yeah. and, the, and the, and the thing to add to that too, is I, I've never um, had a dance lesson. Um, mm -hmm. I, I wish, right. Cause in some ways then this raw, energy would have the ability to connect with some technique you know um I would venture anytime I like uh, a town that I used to live in here one of my friends was like you should go to this dance class tonight and I was like I don't know it seems like it's for younger and anytime you try to find something for dance it's usually like an after school program for little kids at least that's what I found mm -hmm. at least in this area but I was like let me check it out they were probably like five six years younger than me at the time this was like five years ago um, and it wasn't teaching, this is ballet, this is tap, this was, we do choreography here and we go perform. Um, you can sit in and you can see if you can work yourself into the routine and maybe you'd want to come back, but today is a free class. So I was like, okay, by the end of that class, which was about an hour in, I pretty much 90% had the routine down. Yeah. Um, it just, there's something about it that like, it's almost picking up a second language. Like mm -hmm. I can't, I can't speak Absolutely. German. But if you tell me how to move, even if I don't know the technical term for it, 
it's basically like I need to see it once or twice, and it's it like my body knows what to do with it now. It's, yeah, it's really I'm totally the same. It's really weird. That's so cool. Joaquin tried to teach me how to dance once, and I, in my mind, I was like, I got <laughs> this. I'm so good. And then I'm like, I did it. And he's like, Yeah, <laughs> you, you did. That's not to you know what though. You know what, though? I had a friend in college who claimed that she was, like, the worst dancer ever. And I basically, I remember it being my mission in, I don't know why, cause, probably because I'm just, like, such a weirdo. <laughs> I didn't, like, go out to the bars to, like, hook up with dudes. Like, I went <laughs> out to the bar and I just, like, found people and empowered them to, like, be more themselves. <laughs> and so my friend was just, like, I want to be able to dance so that I can, like, because she wanted to get guys. And so I literally would just sit with her and I'd be like, get out of your head. And I'd be like, okay, think about doing that. Like do this instead. And then all of a sudden she was dancing. And so it's not, it's not about the moves. It's about like, she got comfortable in her own space. And then what came out of that was just such pure movement, (laughs) whatever it was, she wasn't doing moves. And I wasn't teaching her anything. I was literally giving her permission to be really comfortable in her body, to just be free in it. And then all of a sudden she was like, I'm doing it. And I was like, (laughs) you are fucking awesome. And again, not because she was doing any like moves that like Beyonce is going to take on or anything, but just because she was in it and connected and like, there's nothing more beautiful than that, in my opinion. I, I wish I, I had used that approach, Rachel, with Janelle. I think specifically in this context, she wanted to find a dance that she could incorporate into kickboxing. So yeah. it was very technical. Uh, um, it was basically finding a way to incorporate thriller into a kickboxing routine. So we started with the thriller dance moves and then we stripped him down and made him really easy so I could teach him and kickbox at the same time. Yeah, that's just so funny. But to bring it back to labels, I mean, it's even just like allowing movement to be that freedom mm-hmm. and allowing yeah. movement to not have to fit into a box. I, I was classically trained ballet and jazz. They did and contemporary. They had some, it was, it was con- some contemporary CC music factory was the jazz. Like it was just hardcore eighties and nineties. And I was always the one in the class that was like, not doing what I was supposed to do (laughs) but I was technically really good and so they like I got away with a lot of stuff and I remember one class just trying to be funny and so I would like we had to wear certain colors for certain levels and I would like tuck my I decided that I was going to tuck my skirt into my leotard so that my butt was like hanging out because I was just like being a little brat and then all of a sudden that actually turned into some like I don't know but it's like I was always, and I always loved the dances where it was like in the Nutcracker, everyone wanted to be Clara and the Sugar Plum Fairy. And I was like, I want to be the Rat King. And like, (laughs) I want to be the Peacock thing. And like, I never wanted to be, I always wanted to be the thing that didn't really have the normal moves, Mm -hmm. the thing that tapped into, it was almost like an experiential movement um, that came to life through the embodiment of like my expression of whatever, like a piece of cheese that was moldy, you know? And like, (laughs) and then that translated into, um, I went to school where I was, I submitted all these tapes to be 
part of the dance program and ultimately decided not to because the program was you have to learn how to speak French and play the piano. And I was just like, no. And so I minored in modern dance through the School of Kinesiology. We like created the minor. And then from there, not like fast forward, fast forward, I ended up creating a dance group with my friend that was horror dance. And there's not, I mean, it wasn't anything. It was like, we just made it up. And like, I've always been so prone to a labelless form of just expression. And now I think we see it a lot more on the So You Think You Can Dance and stuff. And I think they call it street dance um, or whatever it's called. But um, for me, when people are like, do some dance moves, I'm like, I don't have like a, you know, five, six, seven, eight, here's my, you know, gotcha. <laughs> slide I it's like you turn on some music and I have no idea what my body's gonna do it's gonna do something it might it's probably most likely gonna be weird but I'm gonna feel good and so I'm gonna go with it (laughs) but like there there can be labels but there doesn't need to be labels and I think that's why I really love dance is it's a place where it can be really labelless Mm -hmm. and um and anyone can participate there's it's pretty yeah it's a cool, I love movement. <laughs> I love dance. I love you both. I'm very grateful that you're both in my life. This is the best. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say, thank you, Janelle. I just totally think. <laughs> <laughs> Basket it, Richard. Anyway. Basket it for a second. I know. Okay, sorry. I know. Take in a compliment. Um, but there is truth to, like, our body has a ton of wisdom. And I'm actually going through a another coach certification that um, I'm really grateful for the fact that so far in the first three weeks, we've spent a majority of the time really tapping into the somatic awareness that exists. And we spend so much time in our heads and we say, how do you operate from your heart or like drop in? But like, what the fuck does that actually mean? And there's so much wisdom and awareness in our body and we've just numbed it out. So like the fact in that movement, you are actually tapping into something very, very, very wise. And the way that they actually say to activate that, to become more aware of it is to move. Like the way that you become more body aware is to move your body and pay attention to what it's saying, whether that's enough, like too much, you've pushed too hard or, you know, and the more, you know, at at first it's just the you have more, try this, do this, not that. But then it starts to get deeper and more subtle. And um, and so I, I do think it's really cool having these types of conversations around like, how do you live your true north um, through movement? Well, a huge part of understanding who you are and and what your existence is trying to tell you is actually through through somatic, through visceral. And we spend so much time sitting at a desk that we actually can't hear when our body is like screaming at us. Um, and to allow ourselves the chance to move in any form uh, starts to awaken that and give the body permission to start talking again and maybe us to start listening. So I just wanted to share that because I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. I don't have, dance is not necessarily the same to me that it is to you all but I think just fitness in general and like I'll add it as another perspective of like you said Rachel just moving your body like those are some of the rare 
points in time that I can actually get out of my head when mm-hmm. I'm focusing on it. And that, yeah, that level of awareness that just continues to build um, is really cool, but it's also very freeing from thought. Exactly. I mean, yeah, my body's inner wisdom when I tap into it, um, it's called Sasha Fierce. <laughs> no, I love that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm dating myself. <laughs> that was like circa what, 2006? Nah. I okay, but it. I love it because you've made it a Saved by the Bell reference, which the last episode that we recorded, it was crickets when I made a Saved by the Bell reference. So high fives, brother. Time out. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave the room. Oh. You guys can just hang out. <laughs> I mean, at least you know what Hanson is. I'm just going to say that. Oh, yeah, that's true. We had that conversation. No, we won't, we won't go. We had a couple no. of friends that had no idea who Hanson oh is, gosh. and it was really upsetting to oh. me. But it's fine. Yeah, I met somebody the other day who a Britney Spears song was on. Oh, God, and they no. didn't know who it was. <sighs> it was Hit Me Baby One More Time was on. And then somebody <sighs> said to them, do you even know who's singing right now? And they were like, no. I was like, ah! Is that Ariana Grande? <laughs> These are old. <laughs> Just kidding. They're too young. <laughs> so, Joaquin. Yeah. Our last question that we like to ask is, how do you live your true north? in one word and you'll be good at this because we used to play one word games all the time at work and as i was like i'm gonna pick two words she always did <laughs> always but anyway have your moment authentic okay authentic i have other words but that's the one of the other words that came to mind okay cool i love it yay this is so good yay thank you both yeah. for letting me crash your party uh, no oh you God. were the party but also before we uh time out if anyone wants to get a hold of you i did time out i did it she did it um if someone wants to get a <laughs> pizza proud of you uh if someone wants to get a hold of you reach out to you learn more watch your dance videos ask you a question what is the best way that they could connect with you um well i have a couple social media accounts i'm very bad at like being the most active person, but probably the one I'm more active on is Instagram. Um, it's a pretty long tag. Is that what we call we it? We can put it in the show notes, too. Um, it, it's just my name, so Joaquin. I'll spell it out for everyone. We'll put it in the show notes, unless right. you want to. That's just Joaquin ATM. But, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I post... I don't have a schedule, so it's not, like, expecting me to post. I post every Wednesday and Friday. No. <laughs> um, but I, I usually post once a week. I If, depending on my schedule, I'll probably record for two hours, like, on one weekend, and I can make, like, three or four weeks worth of content from that. And I'll just kind of, like, spread it out. I still um, keep telling Joaquin, I just want to make him famous on TikTok, because... <laughs> I'm not gonna go oh, famous yeah. on TikTok. There was that like, one I video with like, I can make you famous on TikTok. There was that one video with like, yeah, the crocodiles. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's almost at five hundred thousand views. Oh my god, but it was wrong with people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's my one moment. Most famous. You guys should have a you guys should have a joint TikTok page. I feel I like the two could... of you together, like your stuff is like both quirky, but like I don't know, there's synergies. 
I'm planting that seed. I was going to say, Rachel, I think as soon as you said it, I'm like, we're about to do that second step to collaborate. That is true. I'm probably going to end up posting this video, but when we did the, like, when Joaquin did my makeup and we posted that video, which is super hilarious, and it's all about, like, give me eyes, give me face or whatever, and Joaquin's, like, all intense and cute into it, and I'm staring at the camera, Joaquin's like, you should probably blink, you look weird. Like, we were trying to be sexy, and I'm just sitting here, and I'm, like, awkwardly fluttering my eyes. She was smizing the house down. It was just a death, it was actually a death glare, because that's all I know how to do. And I was like, I'm going to blink. It worked. I'm going to blink now. You're like, do something with your lips. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you were all cool. Like, the whole video was super cool of you, and I'm just awkwardly, like, this is supposed to be sexy, and I'm just like... Awkwardly oh God, so blinking my eyes. Just gotta believe it. Your inner Sasha Just flutter them. Flutter them. I don't know how to do it. I just, I'm more cute. I don't know how to be sexy. I know how to be cute. You're everything. Thank you, though. Remember when we were walking down, um, like, Deep Ellum Street? Okay. And we walked past that one, and then those dudes were just like, okay, girl, oh. They were just like, literally the whole time you were here, I was like, okay, hi, hey, hi, I'm here, too. Don't you remember that? Yeah. The whole time. That's true. Did you just I... say yes? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I do remember I that. Do remember they, that. <laughs> they thought I was your homeless friend. No, not that. I thought you were talking about me no, being hot. No, I literally, that is like a compliment. When I lived in Milwaukee, I actually had homeless people come up to me and have conversations. And they'd be like, man, it's tough out there, huh? And oh. Like, yeah. I was like. Oh, shoot. Uh, huh? Sure is. <laughs> While I walk to my Maserati. No. Oh, no. Element. So it really, that the car. picture was just like, perfect. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I can't, I can only turn it on uh, when I'm not trying. If I try too hard, it just all goes to crap. But when yes, I, put, I can. Yeah. When I put the vibes out, though. Just do you, boo. Yeah. Do you. Fuck off. And everyone's like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. Just like, come back. <laughs> it's a really weird thing. Like, my sexy comes from the dominance. <laughs> People are like, that girl just told me off? Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's a keeper. And then I smile and I giggle. And they're like, oh, she cute too, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, anyway. So <laughs> Let's talk about me some more. Just yeah. kidding. All right. We gotta go. <laughs> This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard today, leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Otherwise, we'll see y'all next time.